Hello there and welcome to another episode of Ruben's podcast, a show in which I speak to people about their lives over the last decade and the lessons they've learned along the way. On today's show I'm speaking with Satyaki. I met Satyaki back in university and over the last decade he's taken his love for numbers and gone deep into the world of finance. On today's show he tells me more about his work which involves helping organizations raise millions, even billions at times. how he got into the world of crypto and what he thinks the future is life in london and much more a quick disclaimer the views information and opinions expressed during this conversation are solely that of the individual and does not represent that of any kind of organization or institution so let's get into the conversation okay awesome tuki thanks a ton for taking time to do this man Thank you Ruben great to be speaking to you after so many years uh, we really haven't had the opportunity to catch up uh, properly in it feels like ages i mean uh, yeah so good to be here where in the world are you so i'm currently in london uh, i have been here for uh, ever since college so a very long time and especially stuck here now due to the pandemic uh, so yeah i mean uh, It's it's good. I mean, it's it's a pretty gloomy day in London, but uh, it's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Just another day in London. Just another day in London. I mean, what? Yeah. So, Tuki and I met back in 2010, and for most people, I think who remember Tuki, he was this guy who was, I don't know how I would describe you in college. I, I would like to say like a nerdy guy, but I think that's not a that's not an accurate representation of you. <laughs> but Tuki was I, this guy, yeah, like I this math genius. <laughs> you take that <laughs> he was he was like a super like a, like a math genius and we always knew that he would eventually go do things like crazy things in math but ever since you left college you went to do um, a masters in math in financial math in in london you hung around there worked at at bnp for a couple of years you did tech capital markets yeah. which i want to come to yeah. on what the hell that even means yeah. um and then you 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 did and, and whatever you did for about a good ma- like 4 years um and then you essentially now moved to bank of america doing the same thing which i don't still understand but i think a good place to start <laughs> is what is debt capital markets can you explain that to me can you explain that to me can you explain that to a 5 year old sure sure you know i think uh, so it's actually uh, you asked a good question cuz like uh uh like what what i sort of do and what debt capital markets is as a division is much simpler to understand than many of the roles like you know we currently have at uh, investment banks uh, and uh, so i think the debt capital markets is like is does so when you look at the traditional investment banking setup there's three divisions that sit within it there's the mna which is the mergers and acquisition which you might be familiar with mm. there's equity capital markets which does the ipos and which does mm. uh, the equity raisings and then there's debt capital markets which uh, looks at uh, raising for issuers um so uh, it's 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 actually like you know i think like when i started out i started out in a division named securitization uh, and mm-hmm. this is the division that sort of used to make mortgage backed securities uh, collateralized loan obligations all the crazy stuff which led to the financial crisis <laughs> all the crazy stuff so i did get to work with those people uh for some time there was some uh, uh very vivid personalities i i met uh, while working there this was towards the fag end of i think the securitization i mean the boom had ended in 2007 8 but like 
people were still like, yeah. lingering around. So what do you mean by what do you mean by vivid personalities? Uh, I mean, like it's uh, it's the quite quite out, outrageous. I would think you know in terms of just the way they uh, led their life. Very impressive uh, people. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, my my old boss used to uh, uh, teach. Uh, he was mm-hmm. he was a PhD and he used to teach at uh, at a university, uh, and like work in his like you know balance work along with this. So he was a super like technical nerd, mm. <laughs> you could say. Uh, and he was teaching like very high level classes as well. So he was extremely into academia. And at the yeah. same time, he was also working and doing these funky things, uh, which around then were not taking off because there was just no risk appetite for extremely mm. complex products. But just the amount of complexity and like how they balanced their lives um, amazed me. Uh, I mean, there were some very entertaining people which I shouldn't talk about. But uh, <laughs> I can imagine. We we will come back to the to to whether or not your job looked like a scene from Wolf of Wall Street. But but we're coming back to cap, capital debt markets. Like, what do you mean by? So we we talked about three ba- parts of a, of any any you know banking institution. There's M and A, there's equity, and there's debt. Um. So 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 what is debt? What is debt capital markets? So debt capital markets is basically a division within the bank which uh, helps issuers raise capital uh, from directly from investors. Uh, what as a, as a company, what you would do is uh, the options that you would have, and if you wanted to raise financing, is either you raise some equity, you dilute your uh, equity stake, and you may have to pay like higher dividends on it in the future, or you look at debt. And when you look at debt, uh, there's like uh, you can look at a senior unsecured. You can go to a bank to take. Yeah. That capital market division offers is sort of the uh, the the flexibility to borrow this money from investors. So investors could be like you know mutual funds, could be like pension funds, insurance companies, uh, which is which has been I mean at least in the developed markets that has been the trend to like move away from those. Uh, yeah. From those uh, from banks, maybe uh, you could. Yeah. So, so, so to summarize, you're saying you basically help large companies raise loans which they might not have got from the bank. Got it. And and why why wouldn't they get loans from the bank? So I think there's a variety of uh, reasons. I mean, uh, it could be that uh, like bank lending is extremely sometimes you know, um, like banks put covenants on their loans which are like you know very mm. could be strong you know. Uh, which could be, you know, relaxed. It's more flexible because you're talking to like, you know, you can think of it like crowdfunding, you know, where you're like going out, mm. like raising money from 10 investors rather than go to like one bank and get that money. So you have a lot more flexibility as to like, you know, what uh, what you can do. Uh, and I mean, even in terms of like just the depth of the markets, like the amounts that you can raise, it's quite mm-hmm. spectacular, like, you know, what you can uh doing these markets so uh how, how spectacular does it get it's uh it's it, it gets it, it's it gets i've seen deals with up to like you know high like you know like 90 40 billion uh in the markets and like you know this is uh uh it's it's not it's not it's not unex like you know it, it it comes like once a year like these these when it comes to like debt capital markets, uh, is there stuff people would have read in the news about 
any of these deals? Like you read a lot about these IPOs and Airbnb IPO and so and so IPO, but ha, ha, like does does the stuff you work on or like the industry you work on show up in the news where people can be like, oh wow, okay, that that was that that company raised that to to get get their stuff. Definitely, uh, I think. Uh... You might be able to, like, you know, so uh, I've over over the last few years, I have worked with a few uh, Indian companies for sure, which uh, mm. uh, I have seen in like, you know, the economic times uh, show up the next day. Uh, mm. uh, I, I, you know, like it, 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 I mean, if it's the big size, it definitely comes up. Uh, it won't be like, you know, page one news. It won't be like, you know, oh, mm. hey, like, you know, look, look, they've gone out and you <laughs> Money, but you'll find it in the finance section uh, somewhere uh, small. Okay, so so we spoke about debt capital markets, wherein basically you help very large companies raise billions and billions of dollars, and they wouldn't go for the to the bank for a bunch of different reasons. Um, you mentioned that you do like you you speak to ten different different uh, like investors and things like that. So, and I remember you were talking about this. You you would travel quite a bit on like road shows and all. How how, how different is like an I? So people I think have a like a vivid picture of an IPO. That you know, you put, put put on a prospectus, and then you 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 do the roadshow, travel, 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 and then you close, and you try to get the right price and, and stuff like that. How different is is what like say for example, working in the debt capital markets? Is it very similar to IPO, or is it very very different? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Uh, it's it is very similar in terms of the process you described. Uh, so you would similarly you would prepare a prospectus. Uh, you would you would look at like you know I think that's where a lot of the work that I do comes in is uh, what what instrument do you issue like you know uh, if if you were a bank and you were raising capital and this mm-hmm. has been happening for like the last 10 years since the crisis where you know like basel 3 as a standard uh, came in and like you know you had to issue these uh, additional tier ones which you might have seen in the news yeah. in india and stuff so so basically for people for people who don't understand what basel 3 and things are is basically what rules there were some rules put on banks so that they don't do crazy shit, which lends us up in the financial crisis. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that that's basically what Basel three and the, and those rules are. Anyway, so you you go through all of these Basel three like whatever requirements and and frameworks and, and and you eventually come down to a product which which works. Yeah, yeah, and then like you know take the issuer uh, on like uh, on like on like a roadshow, uh, just similar to an equity process. Uh, if it's a new issuer, uh, they would probably uh, mm. depending on what which kind of investors and which geographies. They want to target. They might go on like a global roadshow, and global roadshows are not as common uh, today as uh, as they used to be when I joined. Uh, are they now called Zoom shows? They're called. They are definitely called Zoom shows. You can do it in your living room. Uh, we had some very awkward situations sometimes, but uh, 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 but it's uh, it's it's yeah. I mean, like you know, you uh, the show would go on a roadshow. Uh, they would meet investors. Uh, they would. Uh, speak no about it. I think the key difference here is that, you know, when it comes to equity, uh, there is like, you know, an IPO, I, I believe like most of it is still sold to like institutional investors, yeah. but there is a retail component to it. For example, Correct. Deliveroo in the UK just recently IPO'd uh, mm. and you could invest in the IPO through the Deliveroo app. So you could click on oh, wow. and you could go and like put money in them. Uh, but this is before they listed. The whole lesson, yeah, yeah. So you could you could oh, wow. you could put in an order for how many shares you wanted, but that component is completely missing in at least the regulatory capital part of the debt world, uh, where uh, uh, like you know the kind of clients that I work with would would not be issuing to retail investors. It's very like sophisticated investors, 
And like, you know, you can imagine the kind of conversations and the kind of questions they ask are also a lot more uh, like, you know, developed in terms of thinking, you know, they have their own models and they're trying to like predict yeah. where is the bank going? Where is this company going? Uh, can, yeah. can you tell us like, you know, what your, your uh, debt to equity ratio would be in, uh, yeah. in, in five years time to be like, you know, kind of thing, but uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a lot more, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot more technical and like, uh, got it. So, so I, I, I have, I have, I have, I have two questions um, and you know, we, we can take them in whichever order you're more, you know, comfortable with. Um, I think the, the first one I had is um, like, basically what does an average day for you look like? Right. Um, you do all of this crazy stuff. Uh, but on a day-to-day basis, like you show up to work and, and like, what do you do the entire day? And maybe you could take that one first because the second one I am really interested to know is you've been in this space for like five, six, seven years now, almost yeah. uh, across securitization and debt capital markets. Now um, for people just starting out, right. And thinking about, Hey, you know, I want to get into finance and like for some weird reason, everybody thinks about finance, right? If I want to get into finance, how, like, how do you know if, if, somebody's how, like, how do you know if, if you're cut out for it? Like, what does it take to succeed um, in the world of finance? Um, and if say a 21 year old was listening to this, what would you tell them that, Hey, if a, B and C, then probably finance is a good option for you. Uh, and if not, then probably don't, don't waste your time. Right. But anyway, we will get to that secondly, but why don't you tell me about what, 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 like what an average day looks like and sort of that will give people a better understanding of what you do and maybe yeah. helps you answer. I mean, I think that was a tough one, uh, I, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the first one is, uh, is, is, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, an average day is, 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 is a bit of like, you know, I was actually, I was actually watching uh, ZNMD and I was watching Rithik Roshan in the first part of ZNMD and I was thinking, you know, this is, it's, not, you know, we don't go like, you know, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. <laughs> no, going okay. All day. Uh, but uh, there is excitement. I mean, uh, it is uh, like, uh, it's, it's, it's a mix of like a lot of things. So, like, you know, on, an, on average, uh, a regular day for me is very much in the office. Like uh, I would, uh, when I was going into work, I would, you know, uh, go into work, log in. And I think, you know, we have this... Uh, Bloomberg system, which I have told you mm. about, earlier, which is yeah. like extremely connected. It's, it's what connects us to like basically all our uh, all all of our clients. You know, uh, you get your news on Bloomberg. You get like you know your yeah. pricing. Like <clears throat> everything comes on uh, Bloomberg. Uh, and then like you know you have like you know chats open with all your all your clients mm. and all your, all your colleagues and like you're continuously you know conversing with them um, through the day. Uh, but I mean, like, that, that, that's like, you know, that's where I would spend like most of my day. There's a lot of like, you know, of course, mm-hmm. like a lot of like PowerPoint and a lot of Excel and like, you know, as an analyst and associate, definitely like get a lot of that. Uh, but I think like, you know, as, as you move, as you progress along your career, so like my, my analyst years were definitely like extremely heavy, like on mm-hmm. like uh, looking at uh, term sheets, looking at uh, uh, presentations and like deck mm-hmm. and like positioning clients, etc. Um, but as you go further on, I think you get like ownership of certain clients, uh, but, uh, but like, you know, you would, you would have to like go out and see your, uh, clients, uh, if they're in the city and like, you know, you're luckier in London because a lot of your clients do, uh, stay and yeah. stay and work around here. Uh, but it could be like, you know, uh, uh, like a few exotic locations that I have had the opportunity to <laughs> travel to, uh, to like see clients sometimes like half a day just to like, you know, get there. 
for a uh, which is the most exotic location you've been to i think yeah i think i mean uh, i would say like you know in like in, in scandinavian countries like you know i think is a, mm. is a, is a, like you get some extremely uh, scandinavia sounds exotic <laughs> It's very rural. Have you have you ever taken like private jets to Cayman Islands and all? <laughs> no, but it it does it does happen that you know I think uh, when for example when people go on roadshow uh, when they mm-hmm. go on roadshow it's sometimes more economical for them to take a jet and like you know if you're going on mm. global roadshow if you're traveling with ten people if you're traveling with you know all your bankers it may make sense. but uh, yeah. it it's not very uh, common uh, i w- i would say uh, got it but yeah i mean like uh, it's there's 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 like you know i think like you would def- you would definitely see your clients on like quarterly basis but like you know if in like stuff there uh sooner and i think this part is a bit indifferent from like different from um, consulting where you sort of go mm. and spend like months with your client yeah. you're flying in flying out every week uh yeah Uh, you're uh, spending like all your time working at their offices here yeah, yeah, i mean mm-hmm. like you know for for me at least uh, it's been work out of the office for like yeah for all for all your time like if you were traveling you wouldn't be working you were traveling just for a meeting or like uh, something like but then uh, yeah i mean like there's execution which uh, which is yeah. a bit more heavy like on mm-hmm. on uh, on uh, like in terms of just the amount of work you need to do in such a short amount of time uh so timelines get accelerated you spend longer in the office and stuff uh, and and by execution you mean like when you're cl- cl- like coming closer to closing a deal like getting all of these things in place and you know filing stuff and shit like that exactly got it got it got it okay that's quite interesting so so to my second question um how how do you sort of advise or guide people when they're thinking about a career in finance or maybe specifically a career in that capital market and securitization <laughs> sure uh, it's uh, i mean uh i mean i have i mean answered this question a few times but mostly to like audiences that are already like you know I've, i've gone back to lse where i studied uh, to like mm. about uh yeah. about like you know careers in finance and stuff uh, but uh, i think i mean you have to have uh, i mean you have to have a love for like what you do i mean you have to yeah. like already like you know like you know investing uh like at at a basic level i mean you need to like i mean equities is i feel in my opinion it is quite like basic investing and thing like crypto for example yeah. also yeah. Like, you know you take views uh you enjoy like you know predicting where things will uh, mm. go uh you uh and i mean you, i think a quantitative mindset definitely helps although it's not mm-hmm. a prerequisite uh we mm-hmm. in in my years I've, i've seen like english graduates history graduates come and do the role and just as mm-hmm. like competent as anyone else from like a math or a physics like whatever degree uh yeah would be but uh i think yeah i mean i think i think you have to like the the world of the world of finance you have to like i mean you be excited by money and not just by like you know you know i mean Correct. you i mean there's, there's there are there are uh, a lot of people who are i mean you know motivated by uh, you know i mean the, the the salary and everything is great right but uh, mm. it's uh, it's i mean I, i think like you have to you have to like what you you know do
do and like have have a good interest in it to yeah and and how does one know right like like a 21 year old yeah you know i like playing around with stocks and i like buying some stuff on zero the or robin hood and how, how do you know you're cut out for 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 the stuff you do like how, if if you had if you were looking at a 21 year old what would you sort of look out for them and tell them hey you know what maybe you haven't thought about this but you should consider a career in finance like what would that look like what would that need to look like yeah i mean i think so it's like you know i think it, it, to start out in consulting i think is is an easier choice because you sort of it's very generic things are open like you know you could mm. work with different sectors different industries different yeah. user problems here in in finance you do need a level of specialization in in most of the things most of the job roles that uh, you would uh, work at uh mm-hmm. so that specialization aspect has to appeal to you and i mean it's it's scary because like you know feel like what if you know, what what will i do if i you know stop stop <laughs> doing this uh but i mean if the i think if if like uh i mean it is extremely related to like you know current markets and i mean any area you work in 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 finance is uh, going to be related to like current world events i mean like that's the purpose of sort of the bloomberg connection is sort of like keep yeah. us you know we get our news like a second after it's been uh, like you know published mm-hmm. like reached uh, because we need to be on top of, like some of the events that that go yeah uh, globally it's a very intense role i would say i mean depending on like you know maybe i i can speak for my division and i can speak for a few others which i know mm-hmm. um extremely intense lifestyle because like you know i would go into work and not look at my phone for like 5 hours mm. because mm. i'm just so absorbed in what i am doing uh so like it's it's like if you were working in trading for example which is much more intense than what debt capital markets i feel uh offers uh, because that debt capital markets is sort of a bit more strategic it's a bit more longer term you're working with issuers planning out their strategies for like the next 5 years 7 years uh trading is a lot more like like you have to hit the button like and make it yeah. like within a second you have to be on the phone with your brokers with your counterparts at the banks investors yeah uh so like uh, like uh, it's uh it's it, it's that intensity which i think did appeal to me uh like you know Got coming it. in and i mean i i was definitely much more like you know i had a quantitative tilt which i mean i did math for in, in college and i yeah. did math so i had a quantitative tilt for sure so uh, mm-hmm. i felt like this was a good use of my abilities so to summarize what you were saying you ideally should have a quantitative bent of mind which means you generally enjoy like numbers and and math though that's not a prerequisite um you have some you're probably interested in equity investing you've probably dabbled around with trying to predict when the future is going to be you probably bought some crypto Uh, as signals and then that doesn't mean that- i would i would say like you know those are like you know you have to go out and do those things but i think you have to have an interest in them so like you know you may not like be investing your money but you definitely got it want to know like what are stocks what are bonds like you know ah, i do got it just be aware of them be aware of them like uh understood yeah and and the reason i'm pressing you on that is i i feel that's a place where like most universities do such a shit job because like when i was getting into consulting i just knew consulting was a great thing but nobody actually sat me down and said hey ruben this is what you're going to be doing and i feel for a lot of people who who eventually get there and they're like 
you have this big like whatever reality check on oh man i, I was going to make excels like i was going to make slides <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> what, what this is like snake oil charmers yeah like <laughs> but but i think it's just good for people to know what they're getting into um and for people who've been there done that uh, is i think a better way to just like hey this is what it is this is what it's not if I saw you on the street. I would not recommend you getting into finance because you're not going to survive. Uh, and this is, I think you do, you're doing people a service, but uh, that's super interesting. Um, so maybe you're not investing already, but you at least are curious to know what happens in financial markets. Do you need to be reading the financial times? And, I, and I'll tell you why, because yeah. I wish to pick up the economic times and try to read that shit. And I would hate it. See, and I'm like, that's, yeah, that's the thing because you know, I think a lot of finance is so lingo heavy is that there's like, there's like barriers to like, and she also yeah. like you know on a day to day basis like i i realize the the language i speak at work is like is so like you know i would not be able to talk to a like uh, <laughs> even someone who is my like peer group like you know in in the same language and expect them to understand it because like we sort of like condense everything down use acronyms like like what is yeah. <laughs> like deal hack like you know it is it's, and it's super intimidating man like for example even the terms you are using right we help issuers raise uh, capital across the capital structure. Basically, you're saying that I get you a loan. <laughs> if you need a loan, I get you a loan. <laughs> so I, I know there is sort of the need for the technicality because it is nuanced. But uh, yeah, I think for people in the region, like Mint and HT Times and whatever this ET and I remember myself when I was like 19, I was like, bloody hell, I'm not going into this world of finance because I can't understand anything what is written here. Yeah, uh, I have seen like, you know, I have seen like, uh, for example, like interns come in over the years and like feel totally underwater because uh, they didn't like you know do this work in advance uh, uh, so i mean definitely i think like like reading like in, in, in like that, that's what i mean by interest is like you sort of start seeing like like what is like a, like you know there's investing in stocks and there's like options like you know if you were 20 yeah. year old thinking about like water option i don't i mean when i was a 21 year old i did know what it was but like would i be able to like actually put in an option trade i i i doubt it uh, then there's like different types of options and, mm. uh, and it's never easy you know you're never going out and buying an option it's like what <laughs> kind of option what maturity uh what uh like what strategy are you employing uh, and similarly i mean that, that's why at least i feel what I do is a lot more simpler because you can describe it as just as you said it. It's like getting a loan. Uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, if you over oversimplify it, but like, uh, like you know, there's there's uh, there's always so much more that uh, can be said. No, of course, of course. Even a loan, there's nobody. It says I want a loan, but you sign like some fucking fifty papers before you get that loan, <laughs> and that's basically complex stuff to reduce the fifty to maybe like twenty pages. <laughs> Okay. Usually, this is where you hear about the sponsor who makes this show happen and supports the podcast. But that ain't happening. But if you'd like to support the show and support this podcast, you can now buy me a coffee. Link in the description. Okay, back to the conversation. So, so maybe I think another thing, and, and to switch gears a bit, uh, another thing you've been working on, and which you told me was this. Similar in the space, but this microfinance thing called Rangde. Uh, yes. I was reading a bit about it, wherein people can basically like or sort of like give loans to people in need uh, who sort of are outside formal finance. But can you explain to me what Rangde is and what you've been doing with them? Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a 
I mean, I have an association with microfinance from earlier. When I came here, I I came across this uh, society. It was it was introduced to me by my previous uh, employer, uh, and uh, they sort of crowdfunded microfinance company. And I came across them in 2014. So I I saw the idea and I was like, wow, this is great. Like you know, because because uh, microfinance itself, I find is a is a great like niche business idea. The fact that you could lend out to like you know. uh and like borrowers who can't go to banks because they don't have people with us so yeah only reason that one of the, one of the main reasons that they go to microfinance uh, companies and and still like you know the recovery is like you know 99% 100% in cases they like panic if it goes to below 95% uh yeah so i uh yeah i mean i have always you know always like the idea of microfinance and then you couple it with the idea of crowdfunding which was if you remember like 2014 15 that was like kickstarter and things were like you know quite yeah. big so i found the the you know the 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 marriage between them quite quite interesting it's a uh, so what you do is uh, mm-hmm. instead of in, instead of them going to banks to lend to borrow their money they come to people like you and me and mm-hmm. we can all invest mm-hmm. if you're living in india you're investing mm-hmm. if you're living abroad you're donating your uh, money and then it goes to borrowers mm-hmm. like uh, you know underprivileged borrowers who are looking for that money in the in, in different parts mm-hmm. of uh, india and it's it's very small loans so like you know like a uh an usual ask would be like 100 uh, say 10000 rupees which works out to mm-hmm. 100 pounds which is not a very large sum of money for a lot of people yeah. living here uh so yeah. so yeah i've been uh, working with them for like the last uh, i volunteer with them sort of for the last uh, Seven years now. And when you say volunteer, like, uh, are you like an advisor to them? Do you help them figure out the business, or do you just, you know, give them cash? No, no yeah. So I mean, uh, we, I, I do, I do personally donate as well. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm more on, on an advisor uh, role, at least within the UK chapter. So my my role initially, I, I was initially helping them with uh, um, working with uh, uh, LSE and like other colleges that. Uh, Like mm-hmm. to like you know find uh, volunteers from within these colleges to sort of help us design larger projects, uh, and then like mm-hmm. you know run like academic projects, uh, raise awareness amongst uh, colleges, and like you know how do we uh, so mm-hmm. like you know we conduct studies, we present it to the company. Um, I mean, yeah, there's like a variety of things. I mean, it's mainly along the lines of raising awareness about microfinance mainly within the community here, and that. such a great idea that exists which you may not be aware of uh, that's super interesting um and usually what are these loans for like wh- what do these people need this money for yeah so it's a i mean uh, it's a variety of reasons i mean i think one of the key ones would be to you know start your own business it could be you know mm. <laughs> i have had like a laugh from people here when i have explained to them it could be like for buying a cow you know you know they want to buy a cow and they want to like milk and they want to sell the milk <laughs> which is It sounds quite funny to someone you know, living in London. You can imagine, but uh, it is a great means yeah. of like subsistence for like you know someone living in a, uh, a village in India. And it's it's so easily achievable for you know someone who uh, lives here uh, as well. Uh, but I mean, there's uh, yeah. so I mean, starting a business could be you know you could be start becoming a budget seller. You could be taking for an education loan, so it could be like for sending your children to school. I mean, I think we know how low fees can be, so you can cover like a child's education for a yeah. whole year with just like you know, raising yeah. the money. So yeah, 
So yeah, I mean, uh, along those lines, uh, it, it it varies. And is it a donation or is it a loan? Like, do you make interest on this? Yes, so I think so. What is the the model is that it is a loan if you're in India. Hmm. So if you're in India, you can okay. invest your money and you can take out your money whenever you want. Uh, but not whenever you want yeah. when you get paid back your money. But uh, if you're living of abroad course. because of like our capital controls, you can't take out that money. Yeah. So what happens is once you donate Got that it. money, uh, it stays in your account, but it gets reinvested. So if you get mm. paid back, they will reinvest it in another Got borrower. It. So it'll it'll grow over time. So Got it. That's super interesting. I'm gonna check it out because you're right. Like even in Singapore, the, I think the conversion is like fifty rupees. So if you're saying an ideal loan is about ten thousand rupees, that's like two hundred dollars Singapore dollars, which is not yeah like that. And you're and you're like you know it is it is it is a big part of what who you are lending to. So I mean and you you know you are going to lend the whole amount. You you lend fifty dollars, someone else will cover the remaining for you. Kind of, uh, mm. Oh, interesting, interesting. So that you kind of sort of the money you put in is sort of like distributed over many many different like borrowers. Yeah. Another thing under this interesting world of finance, which you started dabbling your fingers in, like a lot of others, was drum roll to the moon, Bitcoin. Yeah. So I'm going to stay away from like going into the Bitcoin stuff and what Bitcoin is. People can go read the news about that. But one question I wanted to like ask you is, like, how did you get in? Number one, uh, you know, what was what was going through your mind when you got in the first time? And then eventually, I want to sort of get your thoughts on, like, given that you world, you're in the world of like structured and like formal finance, and I think that's been a big question mark. And I think in 2020, you've seen a lot of like more formal institutions coming into the crypto world. I want to know what your thoughts on that and what do you think the future of that looks like. But let's start with how you got into this wonderful world of <laughs> cryptocurrency. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, it, it's been a it's been a fun ride, uh, I would say, but. Uh, I, I think I first heard of it back in 2014 when I was at LSE. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was being used to purchase like you know things on the internet for, uh, at that time. <laughs> but uh, I was initially uh, I was initially a non-believer. You know, I, I was like, you know, this is just some shady uh, uh, things that people are uh, using. But uh, so around 2014-15, uh, I had a professor at the LSE here who was. Uh, working on uh, alternative currencies and like you know there's the whole like research is like you know going back to like the last crisis like 1930s apparently they used to use cigarettes as like a means of currency during the uh, war mm. so like maybe out after the the last big financial crisis say in 08 uh, uh, when this idea came about I think I, I was actually attracted to it with, in terms of like just the fact that it's decentralized you know that it takes sort of a marketplace yeah. out of the out of the picture it gives it gives a lot of like independence to people like uh, uh you and me and like you know your data is protected you're not, you're, like you know you, you own what you own uh i mean i found the idea uh very interesting back then so we did like a ton of uh, my, my my interest was initially very academic so we wrote a paper on it uh mm-hmm. um presented the paper at places, uh, but I did not hold any Bitcoin at that point of time. I was asked a lot of times, do you, do you buy it yourself? I would be like, no, I, I am just, an, I take an academic interest in the subject. I don't invest in it. And back then I think Bitcoin was like $50, something like, you know, uh, so after like a lot of regret, I think back in 2017 is when, uh, when things were like kicking off, uh, uh, again, I mean, there was a lot of uh, momentum. 
it came to me through work actually so like you know i so the guy sitting behind me he bought uh, five bitcoins back then i hope he's held on to it uh and then he was yeah i mean uh uh it was in that frenzy i thought i mean it was more formal you know 2017 the year of formal uh yeah. is sort of when i i i i dug in uh and i mean i mean i i don't know how how i guess you were in delhi back then but here at least in london i remember um yeah i remember 2017 new years i went for the party and all we discussed was like everyone was just talking about bitcoin went for a friend's mm-hmm. birthday 10 days later you know we forgot that it was her birthday we were only talking about what ico do we invest in <laughs> in two, in two days time uh, so i mean it was for for at least for people like like us like in finance at least i mean it was a very unavoidable like part of the conversation uh, so yeah i mean uh, mm-hmm. that's how i first invested in it um on the disruption to uh mainstream like you know finance uh i see the potential yeah. i i definitely you know i over the years you know i have believed a lot uh more in it uh i think there's a good case to be made for it you know i think like you know for example maybe like away from finance if you look at say an amazon it's a 100 billion company it's a trillion dollar company with like which is a marketplace you don't potentially don't need like a central player anymore so like you know where what yeah. is the value like you know they are creating can you create that value elsewhere uh, why is uber taking a 30% cut of your you know payments so you can do that mm. uh, through a blockchain so i think there's a long term argument for it uh, how long term i don't know you know moves law and everything um mm-hmm. but uh, but i think uh, i mean at least for what we do for example like you know i think the way we reason about it is like for example you would still maybe go and buy like a phone still online but if you want to yeah. like you know buy a house you'll probably want like mm. a agent you want like a lawyer with you and like you know do those kind yeah. of transactions so maybe higher up i think there is it's it's still some time away but uh mm-hmm. It's definitely getting there. I mean, I I love it. I mean, I I love the prospects of uh, of, of blockchain and uh, uh, and and where it's going. If if is that was that was that what you were asking, or did I did I get that wrong? Yeah, I, no, no. I think I think that makes sense. Um, uh, like yeah, I think I think given that you're in the the like the formal world of finance, how how they're thinking about it, and I think what I'm getting is that everybody's bullish, and there there probably more people who see the the. the potential not sure how close but rather than just being like oh this is complete bullshit this is this is never going to work yeah no yeah 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 i think I, exactly um, and we've done actually uh, as i think about it we've done trades on the blockchain but very small trades till date mm-hmm. uh, so whether that idea expands i mean it is you know middlemen do have sort of a role you know you want someone to blame if yeah. things go wrong but uh, <laughs> but uh, but how important that role is i guess it's yeah. so so people listening i'm sure are thinking toki how much money did you actually make in 2017 were you in it the was, green or were you in the it red? wasn't much it was uh, i mean as i mentioned i mean i was a non believer so i invested small amounts uh, <laughs> then i went into yeah uh, all the icos that are riskier 
and i mean this i learned yeah. actually i mean i don't know like how many people invest in like stocks i know a few like our friends invest now and everything yeah. but like it's like i mean it does work like you know you diversify and then maybe like nine of them will be down but then one that kicks off really does uh work i mean it's very it's very fundamental principle of like yeah. of finance you know like to you keep your Correct. portfolio diversified and thing well, it was like okay cool uh, yeah. i was i mean i'm definitely happy about like uh, that i put money in uh uh no 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 regrets uh, maybe i should put it in all yeah, <laughs> what percentage of your port of your overall whatever portfolio is is in crypto today uh it's uh it's it's growing you know every every day it goes from like 10 to 5% so it's uh difficult to put a number but yeah i mean i think uh, like a 10% allocation is not like i mean you should definitely put like 10% of your portfolio if you have like mm. you know uh, a recommendation don't go out and buy crypto but <laughs> this is not financial advice no put money only as much as you can lose yes. it <laughs> uh, but uh, la- la- last question on crypto what 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 is, what is like the most exciting thing or what's like the hottest project you're most excited about and i'm going to go read about it later but what are you most excited about uh, these days on on crypto mm, i have taken a bit of a back seat uh, of late because uh, you know i once you invested in like 2017 i feel like you just think wow is it really gone has it really gone 10 times since <laughs> 2017 so i'm a bit i'm yeah. a bit skeptical about uh, uh, uh investing a lot more new money but uh, I think I've, so the ideas that I've heard about which are like interesting is like you know Ethereum going from like proof of uh, concept like the proof of uh, stake I believe yeah uh, which is uh, yeah going to make think the blockchain much faster but I think I, I mean in mm-hmm. terms of ideas what I really liked say back then was stuff like you could like run your Uber like I think there was a yeah. the new the company but uh, it was a pretty small company but you could like basically take off all your like you know take uber out of the picture and all the taxi drivers would be you know putting yeah. in a bit of their own money and then running it by themselves yeah. so simpler ideas like that which i was attracted to but i think the ones that did well is sort mm-hmm. of the infrastructure companies you know like like the exchanges like binance oh my god uh, yeah um correct uh, like, you know, uh, <laughs> i think i think right now it's is the third largest market cap yeah, i mean from like nowhere like it was uh uh could have seen it uh, coming but uh, yeah i think like the other stuff like you know stuff like uh, stuff which sets up the because i mean crypto is still not at a stage where we can use a, we can we can't substitute like uber for a crypto based service with no. definitely not there yet uh no so the so the companies that help you get there is is what i would be excited about at this stage if you're if you're a real gambler you would maybe put your put some of your money in uh in in currencies like that but then i think personally i think that would be gambling yeah i think there's no yeah. talking about gambling do you still play poker oh yeah you're right i do <laughs> It is. It is. It is actually quite a, a quite a regular <laughs> occurrence. Uh, uh, like we had a poker yeah. group at work uh, pre-pandemic days. We would do it like you know once every month, sometimes uh, quarterly. Um, we play small amounts. Uh, I have. I have. I have. Mm-hmm. We have great casinos in London. You know, if you're ever down, 
you you have a casino as well in Singapore, which is not too bad itself. Uh, but, we do. Uh, yeah, but it's an experience. I mean, I I I like uh, I like playing poker and just uh, people around me as well. I think uh, generally uh, have uh, I mean I think like like Betfair for example, like you know this this is the stuff you would discuss as well. Mm. Like, you know, like what are the odds of like <laughs> yeah. Nadal winning this French Open? Is it really fifty percent or is it like fifty five percent? Yeah, but but yeah, I mean poker uh, definitely definitely plays. So so maybe a bit of a of a meta question for you, Tuki, and I'm, I'm I'm curious to hear your answer. Over the last you know ten ten years, you've done so many exciting things. You moved to London. You went down the crypto rabbit hole. You're doing all these complex debt capital markets. Are there have you had any large shifts in belief or things where you just see differently? And and what I mean by that is, you know, you would see the world in a certain lens. You know, maybe five, seven years ago, and now that that has completely changed. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a long, very uh, probably requires a lot more introspection. Uh, but I think, yeah, I mean, just in terms of like how I think, I believe, I think it is, it has, like, it is of course a lot more nuanced than what what my thinking was was seven years ago. But I think that's uh, quite. Uh, given uh i i mean i think i think your environment sort of does shape you so uh who you work with who you like live with uh is uh mm-hmm. has probably has probably changed my thinking uh, in ways that uh, uh i probably need a mirror to like tell me you know what has changed uh, about me but uh it's uh yeah. I think yeah, I mean, I've also become I think a lot more a lot more disciplined than I was back in college, which I think is is good for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, you know, I I I hope I have, uh, but uh, yeah, in terms of world views, I feel I I have seen like a lot more of the world, gotten a lot more perspective, which is very important, yeah. uh, and like which is why like, I feel like even like you know like if, especially when you're living abroad, like like going out and just like uh, like seeing new faces is very, very important. Uh, meeting new people, just to like make sure you're not stuck in that bubble. Yeah. yeah. Once the pandemic hasn't helped, uh, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's sort of. Uh, yeah. Sort of. Awesome. I know we're almost touching the air. So, Tuki, when you look back, um, what what advice would you have to 19-year-old Satyaki? Yes. Two pieces of two advice. Pieces of advice. Oh God. Uh, mm, I would say I would I would say you would like you know cons- you should learn to like consider maybe the implications of like your decisions a little bit further. Like you know think a little bit uh, more about you know how it uh, impacts others and uh, uh, expand your thinking. Which is something I did. I did lack, uh, so, like, you know, like not like it fall into like you know, like a narrow lane kind of a thing. I think that's definitely something I worked mm-hmm. on, uh, and my discipline, like therefore, like you know, like like health and like you know, like like eating well and like you know, especially like traveling, and, like eating well, everything, like you know, keeping everything uh, uh, like balanced uh, is is. Is very important. Mm-hmm. I think you you may not feel you may not feel the difference in like a year, but like over eight nine years will catch up with you. So mm. 
what do you mean by expanding your your thinking and and thinking of the implications of your, your decision what does that mean so i think i mean uh, no not to think too short term but maybe to think a little like further uh down the uh, down the earth uh, like you know i mean uh, you know there's if there's something like there's a party happening next door and, you know you call out to it you know have a mm-hmm. you know uh presentation in a couple of days you shouldn't like maybe you should balance that out and like you know just think about uh how how important each one is um got it which is uh yeah part of life i know we learn that on i i like that i'm assuming that you've missed some important meetings <laughs> because you party too hard <laughs> say just give me an example so would don't read too much into <laughs> okay 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 uh i usually ask people if they have a question for me what question do you have for me yes definitely i mean i was uh, waiting for this but i think I, i mean i quite admire the fact that you know like from like i you know from what i knew in college like you know you were always interested in entrepreneurship and like like building something yeah. for yourself uh but you did also get like a very set job in bain very early on uh Correct. you could have like you know you could have built like a career there it was uh, and like you know, there's also like a yeah. school based career like what many people have done correct like what's up oh my mom is going to be like why did you not do that ruben <laughs> so my mom was going to feel sorry to this she's be like see satya ki said that you could have done it <laughs> sorry sorry i'm sure yeah exactly so i mean like like what motivated you to like uh step out into like your entrepreneurial journey and like what give you like the courage to like you know like so it's so comfortable right like like yeah. uh, like uh, salary is so like such a drug right <laughs> it is it's a it's an amazing drug but um no man i think i think bain was amazing um and i remember when i was at bain it like about 2 years into into whatever the bcc you had that interview where you can move into like consulting right and i knew that i was going to be there and my in, initial my you know my vision for myself was i would eventually become a partner at bain right because i was like you know these guys are super smart and you know they travel and you know typical like you know you want to be a partner um and then whatever you know i i, I didn't i didn't i didn't qualify for those interviews and then i was like and lewis at that point was like you know let's start up and things like that because he knew he wanted to start yeah. up so actually when when we we decided that so he had already quit his job he had already started working on some stuff and i was like you know what let me just do it because now there was no sort of ambition left anymore because i was like oh is my path is probably going to continue staying at the bcc yeah. so so that's how we sort of got into i started like you know what else let me start start a company let me start doing like the startup stuff and again i think i said this before at that point of time it was just cool like everybody is doing it i I, I heard about it years. from multiple people coming in <laughs> how you guys were running their your own business living in the same house like you know the whole uh, <laughs> uh life thing yeah it, it sounds all cool but trust me it's fucking hard it's fucking horrible um i i like i i recommended doing it for the experience but do not recommend it if you want anything like as an outcome of it there's a very slim chance that you get to that outcome but anyway so we we got in and i think through that that experience what what it taught us was just like not taking things at face value um you know dealing with this level of uncertainty um and to be told i think once nivasa we realized that you know this was not going to go anywhere um i was quite like disappointed right? i was like oh fuck you know like what am i going to like 
I know in the last few months were like, what am I going to tell a future employer? You know, I've told all of these people that I'm going to start up and not that they never supported me, but they were like, you know, are you sure? You know, you could, you could have done all of this. You could have a great career at Bain and all of that. And now I basically have to admit that, yeah, man, like, you know, you told, like people would have come and be like, I told you so. And just like accepting that was a fucking like painful thing. But anyway, you were like, whatever. But I think the story really went on uh, when I joined Zilingo. And over the two years at Zilingo, and like, I mean, I quit recently, I think that's when I think all of this sort of got amalgamated and, and really got strong because I saw a lot what I was able to do at Zilingo was mainly because I had done the Nivasa experience. Um, for me, there was no task too big. There was no task too small. I didn't really care about, um, you know, my, my sort of savings had gone almost down to zero, right? But the way they, like, and when uh, Zilingo and whatever I rose with the company, the money sort of came back pretty, pretty, pretty soon and pretty quick. So I think after the Zilingo experience, what at least where I am right now, it's like, I think it's almost gone through a, a bear and a bull cycle. And I'm like, you know, that's likely what to, to expect. Um, and that sort of keeps me going. Like, so right now when I'm, I'm still not sure what I want to do next, I'll just sort of classify that this is a bear cycle, right? You have to take time to figure it out. And sooner or later you will hit the bull cycle, right? Unless yeah, yeah. something horrible happens and everybody's always nervous about that, that this is it. This is the great depression, right? We are fucked. <laughs> so there's always that, that fear, but I think that's what keeps me going. Like, like you can go down, but you can pretty much come back up pretty fast. Um, if not for the Zilingo experience, maybe I would have gone down a different path, but I think that taught me that it's always like, you know, it's, it's not easy, but it's possible to get back in a job. It's possible to recover, like earn back stuff. and. And yeah, I think it's just, it's just fun. Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I think the, 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 you need to have a stomach for that volatility, which is uh, impressive. Uh, I, I actually call it as a muscle. Like I think everybody has that muscle. It's about how much you flex it. Uh, it's just like going to the gym. Yeah. So I think everybody has that at some point of the time, like, like whether it be changing jobs, whether it was the pandemic, I think everybody runs into those times in life where they have to start flexing that. How do I deal with uncertainty kind of muscle? And the more and more you deal with it and the more and more you survive, um, you just get better and better dealing with it. But yeah, there's always a fear that this is the last time, like your luck has only gotten you this far and that's it. Your luck runs out today. So that's always a fear, but, uh, yeah, it's not easy, but I think, I think it's, uh, I've learned like, it's probably just a part of life. So yeah, you deal with it. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 the salary is a drug. Like, like when you have it, you like, oh yeah, I can live without it. But then when it stops, so then it's about to stop. You're just like, yeah. What? Why would I do that? That is very important. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Tuki, thanks a ton for doing this, man. I have enjoyed this conversation. I've learned about debt capital markets. <laughs> and hopefully people now understand what you do. I remember when I was telling people I was going to interview you, they were just like, can you please ask Satyaki what he does for a, for a living? Like, I don't understand what he does. <laughs> please explain to me what he does very for cool. a living. <laughs> so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully people my now my understand parents, what you do. My parents have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I'll forward them this link as well. And that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Breaker or Spotify, please go and follow the podcast. It helps me reach more people. And if you could leave a review, that'd be awesome. And if you made it this far, I just wanted to say, it means a lot that you take out the time to listen to these shows. I upload new episodes every Friday and I'll see you in the next one.